Good morning. Yeah, it's great to be in God's house with you, and we will have a Christmas Eve service at 6 o'clock. We would love for you to come and join us with your family and friends, and uh, just come and be with us. We will have communion. It'll be a time that we celebrate what this Christmas season is all about, and the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. Today we'll have a, a kind of a, I guess I would call it a non-traditional church message for Christmas season, but it is the Christmas season, and it's all about what God did for us. And so as we encounter what God is doing and we embrace his fullness today, I want you to know that uh, obviously we celebrated the first Sunday of Advent was hope. Our hope was found in Jesus Christ, and the second one was peace. The presence of God brings peace into our life, and the joy is the feeling, the expression of God's presence in our life, and what it means for us to be able to express joy and live in joy in this world in spite of all that is there. And then today, as we culminate the entire Advent season coming to this moment, the, the topic or title for today is love. And it's the greatest of all these, right? God's Word declares that to us, and so as we begin this encounter with God on love, I want you to know that I, I'm praying that everyone in this room would open up your heart and that you would receive God's word for what it is. And uh, as we begin, I'm going to ask you the accountability questions we usually ask. And so, did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, either reading or listening to God's word? If you did, say yes. yes. So if you're first Sunday here, we've been doing this for about six years now. I ask accountability questions because if you're not living your faith outside of the church, you're not living your faith and uh, question your relationship with God because your relationship with God is not about going to church. Going to church helps build the relationship with God. And you come to church so that you can be strengthened in your faith, encouraged to go out and be the ministers that he died to make you. And so as we come together and we ask these accountability questions, all of them have to do with your life outside of the walls. So just to be clear, as we go to the next one, while you were out there encountering the world, being the light and salt, did you share a God story with someone this week? Yes. Awesome. Did you spend some time alone with God, listening and not talking? Yes. All right. Do you know what the Holy Spirit... I don't want, by the way, that doesn't count if you were sleeping. Ah. Uh, did you... I have a friend, and he was like, he started praying. He woke up in the morning and said amen, and he said, I spent the whole night in prayer. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, okay? What, do, you, do, you, do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? All right, you got to listen to know because God is talking. Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talent, and your resources? Didn't you invite someone to church with you this week? Good job. Let's keep it up. Have you been praying and working on our 2019 goal? You have one more Sunday left. And uh, each one of us reaching someone with the gospel, teaching them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? Yes. All right. Throughout the Advent season here in these four Sundays, culminating today, and then uh, we'll celebrate Christmas Eve. But today being, we have read these verses every week. And so... We would read these and, and understand that they are not necessarily like the traditional Christmas verses, but it is all a part of, in the entire Bible, is the message of Jesus and the redemption of humanity, lost people that God loves and had a plan for redeeming us. The whole Bible is about that. And therefore, when we celebrate Christmas, it's about the promise of God being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So when we read these verses, I want you to know, even though they would not be classified as traditional Christmas verses, they are Christmas verses because it's all about Jesus. 
All right? So I read to you the same verses we've been reading, although I'm not reading the part that read a list of all your sinful decisions in life and implications that was in there before you met Jesus, okay? So there's a lot of garbage that all of us were involved in before Jesus. But in Galatians 5, it addresses those of us who have said yes to Jesus. So I want everybody in the room to know that the context of today's message is pointed towards believers, but it doesn't exclude you if you're not yet a believer. If you're not following Jesus, I want you to know that what we're going to teach today from God's word is what you've been looking for your whole life. And those of you that know Jesus, I want you to know this is to not just affirm who he is in your life, but to actually align our lives to what his teaching is. And so the fullness of God's gospel is here found in the word of God, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. All right, so he's addressing those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have confessed our sins, received forgiveness. We are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is within us. So this is who he is addressing in these scriptures, and this is what it says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. So let's, we're going to read the next verse, but I want us to get the, the, the fullness of what is being said to us right here. Those of us who belong to Christ Jesus, are you saved this morning? So the word of God declares that those of us that just said yes to that question have nailed our passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross. They died with Jesus. Therefore, they have now died to us. All right. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Okay? So a lot of times we want to compartmentalize our lives and we want the Spirit to lead us in certain areas, but then we take over in other areas. But the Word of God says that, that since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So just before we talk about anything else, I want you to know that that includes your sex life. We're going to talk about that today. That's why I said it's not a traditional Christmas message. But it is, and I'm just telling you, that it says in the Word of God, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part. No part is left undone. It has to be led by the Spirit of God. The Word of God declared to us just now, church, that the Holy Spirit is producing love within us. If you're a follower of Christ, you've received Jesus as your Savior, you're following His commands because a disciple is a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ, not just someone that got baptized, not someone that just said a prayer. The Word of God declares that a follower of Christ is a disciple of Christ, which means we are following His commands. Come on, church, I'm just telling you that a Christian lives a Christian life or they're not a Christian. That's biblical. All right, you can ignore it if you want to, but like we said, the Spirit leads in every part of your life. That's outside the walls as well as inside the walls. All right, so the Holy Spirit is producing love within us. Church, as human beings, we are incapable of producing love on our own. We are incapable of, of providing or producing love on our own. 
However, when we fully understand the scriptures and what they say to us, we will understand the frustrations of our life, the frustrations of culture, why we have such a mess in our families and relationships today. And if we would just get to the word of God and understand how God teaches us every aspect of our life and that he is the answer for every aspect of our life, we would not have the dysfunction that now rules in America and in the world and in our families, our relationships, our marriages, and our kids. See, the dysfunction of the world is caused by sin and the answer to sin is Jesus. Now, therefore, let us look at what 1 John 4 tells us because this is all about love. Dear friends... Let us continue to love one another. Talking to the family of God here, remember? Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Therefore, if God is love, church. This is what I'm saying. The last statement that I made to you, the fact is, is that we in our flesh and our humanity cannot produce love. We can't. We can't give it. We can't be it. We can't do it. It is nothing part of who we are. For God is love. Therefore, the only way to love or to experience love or to have love or to know love is to know God. God's word says to us that the only way you're going to ever know this is to know him for that is who he is. All right. That is who he is. Please hear me. It's not what he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. God is love. So here's the problem we've been taught in our culture and in our growing up and in our dysfunction that love is a feeling. It's an emotional experience. It's a moment. Church, God is not a feeling. God is not an emotion. He's not an event or an experience. God is love. Therefore, church, we've got to lose the thoughts in our minds and in our practice that somehow we are attributing these emotional feelings or encounters as love, for they are not. And here lies the frustration of believers and non-believers alike. We are confused about what love is. The church should not be confused on this. The Word of God declares to us that love is God, God is love. Therefore, my relationship with God is not based upon my feelings, my emotions, an encounter, an experience. My relationship with God is based upon love, which is who He is. And therefore, my relationship is love for God is love and now the Holy Spirit is in me and now God is producing love in me. Therefore, I have a relationship with God which is love for He Himself has placed that within me. So my relationship with God does not depend upon how I feel today. A lot of times we attribute the way we felt in church as to whether God was there or not. A lot of people say, you know, I I felt God's presence in church today. And we talk about that great feeling. Or we go home complaining and griping and saying, I did not feel God in church today. That church is dead. Okay? Just want you to know that God is present. Whether you feel Him or not. 
Whether you have an emotional experience or not, God is. All right. So stop talking and start encountering and start to experience love in the fullness of what it is. For it is not about you feeling better about yourself. It's about knowing who you are. And you know who you are when you begin to know who God is. This is the basis of a relationship that God created for us. So believers, you know this is true, that when you wake up with the flu, you're not unsaved. Right? And at the same time that you're sick with the flu, like many of you have been over the last few weeks, like I know it's a plague going through Tucson. In Jesus' name, we just stop that thing. All right? But you're not like... When you wake up in the morning and you've been sick all night, experiencing those amazing things, you don't get up like, thank you, Jesus, man, it's so amazing to have a relationship with you, and I'm excited to be alive. You drag your sorry carcass out somewhere where you can plop, and you feel like crap, right? And you're just praying you either die or it goes away. That's the way you feel, right? Okay, so please understand that that does not change who God is, nor does it affect your relationship with Him. All right, so then love has nothing to do with that. Love is God, and God is love. And therefore, my relationship with God is a relationship with God no matter how I feel. Stop allowing your feelings to dictate your walk with God. Your walk with God is based upon who He is and His love for us. God is not a feeling. All right? So, it's no different than with my wife and our relationship in marriage. When I made a commitment to her, and she made one to me um, back when we first got married, which was um, a long time ago, we, we, um, I know how long ago it was, don't worry. But anyway... <clears throat> We, uh, we don't wake up feeling in love like we thought we felt when we were dating or just beginning a relationship. In the beginning of our relationship, you have a lot of emotions and feelings and excitement and anticipation and stuff. And uh, this is a good thing, just so you know, if you've walked life together with someone, it's not based upon that. And that stuff doesn't stay like that. Because you can't depend upon that for feelings change. And here's the problem. See, what's happened in culture today, and, and it's the thing that I hear more than anything else from people that are ending a relationship, they always make this statement. I don't think I ever loved them. Okay, now you've probably heard that, and I'm sorry if you have. But I want you to know the reason that that statement is made is because we don't know what love is. And the fact of the matter is we have based our relationships on feelings, emotions, <clears throat> selfishness, and what you do for me. And that is not love. And the reason why relationships are ending and have ended and are broken is because of selfishness and sin and the absence of God. Because God is love. And if your relationship is based upon the truth of who God is, it cannot fail. Sorry, but it can't fail. It's based upon the foundation of who God is, which is love, which is what the relationship is all about. Okay, church, I recognize that a lot of us have broken relationships or we've come from them. 
I'm not condemning you, nor is God, nor am I saying I'm better than you because I'm still married to my wife. What I'm telling you is, is that where we are today, we need to understand that today we need to begin to understand to build our relationships on God, not on what we've been taught love is or think love is or what we're pursuing that love we thought was or our emotions or feelings, but begin to build relationships upon God himself and the principles of God's word. Church, we were, amen. See, what we have is this confusion in culture because there's the absence of God in the world. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying. God is present, but he's not present. And so where God is not living, there is the absence of love. And so therefore, every person that is outside of relationship with God is living in self, which is sin. And therefore, there is the absence of God and the absence of love. However, this confusion that we have is caused from something that is real, tangible, and understandable when we know God's word. Church, we were created in love. God loved us, and that's why we were made. We were created for love. God made us in love for a relationship with him, which is love. And we were also created to love. We were made so that we could love others. See, that is the design of God. That's the way we were made. That's how we were made. That's who we were made to be. We were completely made for, by, and to love. That's what it's all about. Guess what? Sin screwed that all up. See, what sin did is said, I'll do it my way and I'll do my design instead. And therefore, I've rejected God and God's ways. And so with the absence of God entered the emptiness and the emptiness and loss of love. And so humanity being created in, for, and to love is on a relentless pursuit of filling that void of love since the moment sin, sin entered the world. See, so when sin took ownership of humanity, love now being absent, no love, we are made for love. And so we're pursuing and trying to find something that would fill that God space within us and it is love, for God is love. So now our flesh is in control, sin. We all know this because we've lived this way. And when our flesh, sin, is in control, we are pursuing stuff, things, relationships, something to fill the void. Hmm. So what is it that we can do, have, or experience that would be the deepest of feelings and emotions that we could ever experience as human beings, guess what it is? It's sex. And so, humanity began to pursue fleshly relationships to let us have the feeling or experience or encounter that we would call love. Now, God designed sex in the very beginning before sin ever entered the world. God made it holy and pure and right. And it was to be experienced within the boundaries of a relationship that he created. Now, when we, out, when we stepped outside of God's boundaries of those relationships and our relationship with him and sin, church, guess what happened? 
We began to corrupt every aspect of our relationships in our life, and we perverted and corrupted the physical relationship of sex, trying to encounter something that would meet the need that we have inside of us. Guess what? We were pursuing it because we were trying to fill our void, which is the absence of love. Therefore, it had nothing to do with the person or the object or whatever it was that we were pursuing to meet our need. It was all about me. It was all about my needs and what I wanted to experience, encounter, and feel. Had nothing to do with the other. Now, we say we love them. Trust me, church, you know what I'm talking about because everyone in this room, if you're old enough, you've lived this experience in relationship. And when you come to the end of this, you realize that at the end of that relationship, in the moment, I'm talking about after the physical encounter of the sexual relationship, in the moments after, the day after, the days after, we are still left with an emptiness and a void. And the only time we feel value or worth or any type of love is in that moment of that encounter. You know why? Because God designed it but we're after a mirage of what it really means. And so therefore, what it does is it creates and perpetuates us to drive ourselves towards another relationship, towards another encounter, so that I can experience that feeling, that self-worth, that, that moment of where I finally feel loved. Even though we know, we know, we cannot deny it, that while we're living in that sin and we're encountering that relationship, we know that at the end of the day, after the fact, we are still empty and unloved and broken. But the sinful flesh desires its need to be met and its desire to be loved. And it is trying to find the answer on its own. It wants that warmth, that feeling, that emotion that wants to be wanted and loved and valued. And it cannot be found in anyone else other than God. Period. So therefore, church, we should not be surprised when the world around us begins to push the boundaries out to try and encounter something different, to experience love in new ways. Church, you know what I'm talking about. We're, we're pushing out the boundaries and saying, like, I want to feel loved, and therefore I'm going to embrace this kind of relationship or that kind of stuff or this stuff. It's because there's this pursuit of something. They're grasping and desiring God, and they don't even know it. And, and a big problem is, church, is that the church itself is broken within and does not understand because the church has not taught God's word, the value of love and what it is, who he is and what he does in our life. We've been silent about sex. We haven't talked about love. We never talked about relationships and we've kept our mouths shut and we let the world educate our kids. We were educated by the world. So we've learned a broken system and we think that's the right way because then I don't want to talk about it. But that dysfunction that is out there has embedded itself in the culture of Christianity and we need to step up and understand the brokenness of that, be honest about it, and embrace God in the fullness of His love and begin to teach and implement what love is truly all about. It's not about an old-fashioned tradition. It's about embracing who God is. All right, stop thinking about it as an archaic system and start looking at who the creator is, the created design, and embrace who he is, for he is love. You don't know better than him. 
He made us. This is the word of God. The pursuit of the experience of love is what has produced already endless roads of broken relationship, hurts, sexually used up people, broken people everywhere. Church, you know this. Many of us have been down that road and we feel worthless today. As I look into the Word of God, this is what the Scripture says that I just read to you. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. See, before we said yes to Jesus, our sinful passion desires ran our lives. The brokenness of our sin was multiplied by our flesh, making our decisions for life. So when two people come together in sin, therefore what I'm speaking of specifically is saying if you come together in a sexual relationship outside of a covenant that God has established, if you come together in sin, there's no possible way that that relationship can produce love. It can't. God is love. Therefore, if we are acting in a manner that is sinful outside of the boundaries of God, it is therefore sin, and therefore God is not in it. So stop lying to yourself. Stop convincing yourself it's okay. God says that He is love, and you cannot encounter love or have love or be in love without God. Okay. When we come together in this brokenness of relationship called sin, the after effects produce brokenness, emptiness, frustration, hurt, anger, etc. And so when we understand that long line of brokenness that is around us, maybe in our past and culture around us, and the fact that people are pushing those boundaries out because they are on an endless pursuit to find true love. I mean, that's the word we say. I want to find true love. Believers, those of you that are in this church, if you're single, um, first off, you need to know if God wants you to remain single because some people he asks to remain single so that you can serve him more proficiently and more intentionally and not have any other um, you know, ties in your life so you can be free to serve him. So if you're supposed to be single, be single. And embrace it fully and love God and serve Him faithfully. If you're called to be married and you have a relationship that God has outlined for you, God's Word is very clear to us, and we have screwed this up. And I hear people like talk to me in the church, people that know Jesus, about wanting to get married to people. And I'm like, well, I've, I mean, do they go to church somewhere else? I've never met this person. You're going to marry him? Well, no, they don't go to church. And I'm like, um... Okay, so, you know, are they a Christian? Oh, yeah, they're a Christian. I'm like, well, then how do they serve Jesus? What's going on in their life and stuff? Because church, you know, uh, we use these classic statements like, well, you're not supposed to judge. So, you know, like, I mean, they say they're a Christian, so I'm not judging. Guess what the Word of God says? That a Christian is known by the fruit that it produces. Therefore, the life that they live should show that they're a follower of Christ, Right? So I'm not saying if they don't go to church, they're a sinner. I'm saying if they don't go to church, they're going to end up being a sinner. Seriously. You can't walk it on your own. That's why God said you have to be part of the family of God, and we assemble ourselves together to be instructed in the ways of truth, accountability, correction, and to live the life. 
right? I'm just telling you what God's word says. You can argue with me if you want, but I'm just telling you, point to him and you can talk all you want to. It's his word. And so we're like, no, they, they say it. I mean, I, their Facebook profile says they're Christian. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they were baptized when they were six. Great, awesome. Okay, this is God's word. Listen to what God's word says in 2 Corinthians 6. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of living God. As God said, I will live in them, walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will, be, I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Done deal. All right? There's no such thing as evangelistic dating. There's not. God's word's pretty clear. You know, you don't do it. You don't pursue it. Uh, this is what I tell every single person. Like, in the beginning, when God made the relationships of man and wife, remember, he knocked the dude out, and he brought, her the woman, brought him the woman, right? All right? So Adam wasn't out pursuing, and Eve wasn't making a profile. Adam woke up, and there she was. God said, hey, there he is. Whammo. We're the only culture in the history of the world that has built relationships on pursuit, which is flesh, which is lust, which is why we're broken. We're the first ones, you know that? In the history of the world that has allowed people to pursue relationships for love. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy stuff right there. Guess what? When people were setting up marriages, those people would, what is the word? Fall in love. Why? Because it wasn't about a feeling or an emotion. It was about a commitment. And they would grow in love together. Huh. Yeah, but... Yeah, but I mean, I, she doesn't do anything for me. Sorry. Why? Because my flesh says, that's what I want. See, the Word of God, when it talks about the sinful flesh and how we've nailed those passions to the cross, and when we allow God to direct our lives, God's amazing. I believe that God Himself will arrange marriages if we let Him. If we let Him is key. Because all of us are in a hurry and we're going to help Him out. So Christian, listen, I'm, I'm just being real with God's word in our lives. Um, why would we think that we can marry a non-believer and love would be present? Why would, we, why would we think that? And why would believers engage in a physical sexual relationship outside of the covenant with God and think that God's going to be okay with that? I mean, God is love. And God, right here, the Word of God says he, he doesn't dwell with sin. They're, they're incompatible. So don't think that, you know, God understands. Yeah, He created hell. I mean, I'm not being 
a jerk or nothing. I'm looking at what God's word says, and it's like somehow we can justify whatever we want because we're still letting the sinful fleshly lust dictate the life decisions that we make and we ignore God. Remember, the spirit leads in every part of our lives. We can't compartmentalize and say, I follow the spirit in six areas of my life, but not this one, and so I should be good. No, you're not. God's word is very clear on relationships. Okay? If we're in relationship with God, we do not have a relationship with the world. That does not mean we're absent from the world, that we look down on the world. Listen, this is what God does. God loves the world but he doesn't have relationship with them. He's calling them into relationship with himself, right? Okay, so as believers, we don't have a relationship with the world. We do not love like the world, for the world lusts. They don't love. And they are seeking love, but they translate it as lust because all they have is their flesh and their flesh desires to be fed. So we cannot love like the world because they do not know what love is. And yet we've allowed the world to teach what love is to our children. And we've, we've let the world teach sex education. I was raised in the church, man. I never heard the, the, the word, literally sex. I'm going to say in a three-letter word. Come out of my mother's mouth. Never was it said in the church. And uh, nobody talked to me about anything before I got married. I learned everything I learned about sex uh, from about second grade on from my friends and people out there in the world. And the friends that talked about it the most was the dads who had the Playboy books sitting out there on the coffee table in front of their kids. Idiot. Sorry, that's a harsh word, but that's what it is. When you're bringing that kind of filth and putting that as a model in front of your children... And why do you think we have the dysfunction and the brokenness that we have when it's based upon the world's standards of love? Ladies, why do you think you have such a struggle with your self-worth and your value when we are told by the whole wide world, if, you're not, if you don't look like this, act like this, and produce like this, you're nothing? Right? I mean, we have found our value in Christ and Christ alone. And ladies, I want you to know that God's value on you is his love. And you don't need to measure up to the world's standards to be somebody. Seriously. Look, I appreciate your applause in that truth. But I also know the truth that most of you ladies in here are struggling with your self-worth and your value. Based upon what the world has told you about who you are or who you're not. And God loves you. He loves you. God loves you. You don't need the world to tell you you're good. <clears throat> okay, guys, the truth of the matter is it's not just a male problem. I get it. Pornography is not just a male problem. It is a female issue and growing in the female world. And I want you to know the reason is because of our brokenness and our, our, again, our not understanding love and continuously pursuing the flesh and lust as the answer. But guys, when we engage in pornography and we look at that garbage that the enemy puts out in front of us, he puts an unrealistic expectation about this relationship and he makes it about you so that you are thinking that your needs are being met emotionally by someone that you will never be with that never looked like that 
never is, and they are broken themselves. And then you look at your wife and you think she doesn't look like that. She doesn't do that for me. Therefore, I no longer love her. Do you see that brokenness that just creates and grows within every system of our being when we allow ourselves to be dictated and dominated by what the world teaches instead of what God says and who he is? See, when we when we build our relationships and our life on the principles of God's word and what he says to us, the relationships that we are building starting today, I don't care where you've been before, it can start today and it needs to start somewhere. Today should be the day that we build this relationship upon the truth of God's word. This is 1 John chapter 4, verses 16, 17. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. How many of you struggle and don't have to answer this out loud, but trust. We don't trust. You know why? Because we have seen love as something that hurts us because it has never been true to us. This is what God's word says. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. <laughs> God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Do you understand? This is what I was talking about, about an ongoing real relationship with God. That is what God's word just said to us. God is love. All who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, check this part out, our love grows more perfect. Oh, that's so good. Man, we're going to talk about that in a second. I've got to finish what it says. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. So we see again in God's word teaching us that without the presence of God, there's no way we can love. If you are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're in a relationship with another person, I want you to know that that relationship is empty. I'm just telling you, that's a prophetic God word for you. If you are outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ and you are in relationship with another person, that is a broken, empty relationship. I don't care what it feels like or you're experiencing in the moment. The absence of God is the absence of love. Don't kid yourself. It's God's word and he's the designer and he made it. You can ignore me and you can think I'm crazy, but I'm just telling you right now, your relationship is doomed and it's going to break. This is God's word. We also see that love grows more perfect. As we mature in our walk with God, as we submit to the Holy Spirit that is producing love within us, we live like Jesus in the world. I love that, that love is growing more perfect in us. That's so cool. See, our, love, our lives should radiate this love of God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. The world should see that in us. They should see it in our marriages as godly people. The presence of God, love, it's what everybody's looking for. So Kim and I have been married 36 years. We dated for four years before that. Yeah, it's okay. She, you can give her a hand. Um, we dated since she was 15 and I was 16 years old, okay? So I'm telling you this for a reason as we look at this and, and looking at the context of Scripture. 
So we, were, we got saved the same night together in a church service in uh, January of 1982. It was our senior year of high school. We gave our lives to Christ, and our, our complete lives changed right then and there. And I want you to know that prior to that, I had already told my parents that I was going to marry Kim and that I loved her. All right? And the, the reality of it is, is that uh, I saw her walking down the hall as a cheerleader in high school, and I was like, I like that. <laughs> and I told my friend, I'm going to date that girl, and someday I'm going to marry her. And I was talking in my flesh, and I, all I wanted was her. I didn't care, all right, because I wasn't serving Jesus at the time. And so I began to relentlessly pursue her, making every encounter I could to be around her, to be by her, to let her see me and me see her, so that she would come around to the conclusion that I'm supposed to be in her life, you know, because if I'm always there, then something's meant to be you know we use that word it's meant to be well i think in my flesh please understand this before jesus and my flesh i'm like what's meant to be is you're supposed to give yourself to me because man i think you're hot and i want you just being honest that's what it's all about see because the flesh is dictating the relationship so i tell my parents i want to marry this girl her and I are in church together, and the Spirit of God speaks and calls and draws, and we both surrender our lives to Him. And in that moment where I said yes to Jesus, I encountered love for the first time in my life. I didn't know I didn't know what love was because I thought I was in love. But when God came into me, it was the craziest thing, man. Everything was different. And when I looked at her, I, <laughs> I saw her different doesn't mean I didn't want her. Don't misunderstand me. I still wanted her, but I saw her different. And for the first time in my life, I realized that now I loved her. And it wasn't because Dave had the ability to love. It was God was now present and love was now present. And now I could understand what that meant and what it means. So now we enter this relationship and we get married. So remember when I was talking about how love grows more perfect? So when we first got married, um, we both come from, you know, like dysfunction. Um, and my parents and her parents stayed together their whole lives in marriage, which is awesome. That's a great legacy to leave. But there was still a whole lot of dysfunction modeled to us. And so when we come together broken, having known Jesus, we still have these ideas that have been modeled for us. And so early in the relationship, see, I love her. She loves me. We love God. We're serving him. We're praying. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, God, in my personal prayer time, God, if you would change her, she needs to do this and this and this and this. And if you would make her do these things and be like this, man, she would be an amazing wife. And so then I would tell her those things that she needed to do. You know, that went really well. I just want you to know. So ignorance, right? It's ignorance as you're young in your flesh. And, and, and so remember, uh, love grows more perfect, right? And so early on, see, I had these expectations of her, and I was trying to have her change. Because you see, that's the flesh still dominating the relationship. Because what I saw was that you have the potential to be amazing, if you do these things, you will be. <laughs> All right. 
So you see, like, but that's because I was still processing things through the old world filter and not the ways of God. But guess what was inside of me? The Holy Spirit. And guess what he was producing in me? Love. And so as the Holy Spirit is producing love within me, and I'm praying and talking to him about the changes she needs in her life, God's beginning to speak to Dave about the changes he needs in his life. And as God speaks to Dave, I want you to know that the growth that has taken place in the love that we have one for another, this maturing, growing in love, being more perfect, all resulted through a surrender of self. Crazy. The more I surrendered, the more amazing she became. Seriously, think about it. See, like this God that we have this relationship with. If you just think about it, Christians, when you first encountered him, it was amazing who he was and what he did for you. But as you've grown in your faith, it's like this incredible thing that as I surrender, I know him more. And it's like, oh, I just want to be with him. I want to please him. I want to serve him. See, God gave us the marriage relationship to mirror that relationship with him. And therefore, as we have matured in our faith and as we have matured in our love and we have grown more perfect in love, it's no longer based upon just like how I feel today. And this is a good thing when I say that we don't, I'm not going to like say we don't have emotions or feelings. Of course we do. But it's not like it was. Like, I want you to understand this because you see when this relationship of love is based upon the relationship of love. Not in what you're doing in the moment. Not how you're acting in the moment. So when we love one another, right, in the the body of Christ, and we were told everybody, hey, shake somebody's hand and welcome and give them a hug or something. That's my fault. I apologize to those of you that are not huggers because I am one. And so that started a long time ago in our church because I hug everybody. I mean, I just do. It's the way I express love to people. I want you to know I love you. All right? I've tried to catch myself. Sometimes I hug brand new people here, and I'm probably thinking of nut or something. But it's not. It's nothing, it's nothing um, sexual or anything perverted or nothing. And I hug respectfully where I'm not touching a lady's body or anything, and I try and give them side hugs and things. It's an embrace to say I love you. But I want you to know that when I hug my wife, it's different than when I hug you. And you're welcome for that. Okay? <laughs> Now, I'm saying that because, you see, there is a relationship that I have with her that is based in God's love that is deeper and more different than any other relationship I have with any other human being. And so, therefore, in my brokenness, when everything in the world seems like it's just coming against us, y'all have one of those weeks like that, you know, where things are just like crazy, man. My wife knows it. She'll come to me and just hold me. You know... No, I mean, seriously. It's like when she does, though, it's nothing has changed out there. Everything's still broken and messed up. But something changes in me. And I feel like the world is back together. And see, that's what love is. That's, that's, the, that's the modeling of what love is. Let's go to the other side of that for a minute. If we have a disagreement, and every marriage does... You know, she still has things to improve on. So <laughs> there, so there's disagreements that happen, right? 
All right, so let's just say that there's this tension between us over whatever, you know? Some of our imperfections, there's this, this little flaw that comes up. And so, like, when that's going on, uh, she's not running over to hug me. I just want you to know. She's not like, oh, let me put your world together, you know, let me hug. No, she doesn't. She's, she's not going to hug me, and I'm not going to ask for one right then because she has work that needs to be done, and I... I'm giving her space so she can hear from God about what needs to change, right? So, you know, <laughs> no, I'm just being real. That's all I'm just being. This is like life happens, right? Okay, I want you to understand this, though, because every relationship has that stuff in it, including our relationship with God. Okay, because here's the problem that we have. Sometimes we can be um, upset with God or not like what's happening, and we can, like, like, not want to be near him or embrace him or see our selfishness because we think he needs to do something different or he should have done something different. Or if he is God, he ought to be doing this. See those same expectations? And you know where that comes from? Selfish flesh. Like, if you were, you would because I want something different same thing that happens in a marriage relationship and and every time there is that conflict of space it's always caused by selfishness always caused by selfishness the flesh and so as we're early in our marriage and we're in this relationship and you look back on it now and you see the word of god says our love grows more perfect i look back and i'm like oh my goodness man i can see it like I, I cannot believe how selfishly focused we are in our flesh, even as believers early on in our walk. Like, you know, I didn't think that, there were, that I was wrong in what I thought. I mean, if I thought I was wrong, I would have repented and changed. I didn't even realize how messed up I was because I was so selfishly focused. Because, see, that's what we were born in. So the whole focus is me. It's all about me. All right, so then when we get saved and we enter into this relationship with God and we begin to experience love and we're, we're learning that it's not about us, at first, God's love is still all directed towards us, so we're still a lot of confusion in us. And as we grow and mature and love is perfected within us, then we begin to see it for what it really is. It's like, oh man, I'm so sorry for my selfish focusing and where we were. We have to continue to surrender ourselves. So when we, when we ask you, like, what is the Holy Spirit talking to you about? It's because the Holy Spirit is always asking us to surrender some aspect of ourself. Because that self is always in conflict with the Spirit of God that is trying to produce love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, all those things. And so the whole walk with God is a continual surrender of myself. So love is perfected through the work of God within me. And I focus on meeting the need of others. Remember the golden text of the Bible? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See that love, that amazing love of God. He loves all of us exactly the same. Sinner and saint, broken and whole. He loves us. 
He loves us so much that he came to fix that brokenness and invite us into this relationship with him. This is the word of God. He says that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You didn't need someone to come and condemn you. We were already condemning ourselves. We know inside of ourselves the brokenness and the sin that has brought about the destruction of us. We know it. And Jesus came to fix it. Why would we look for it any other place than him? The love of God is seen and experienced in the giving of. That's why in the word of God, when it used that word charity, agape, love, and all those things are intertwined, it's because for God so loved the world that he gave, and that's the word that is used, agape. It's the same Greek word, that's the Greek, by the way, I'm sorry, that... um, and, and it's the same word that is in John 3.16, for God so agape the world that he gave. See that symbolism of that meaning? It's to meet the need of another. When we translate it in the English language, the word can be used charity because it is meeting a need that someone can't meet themselves. Now then, when we look back in 1 John, for God is love, God is agape. It's that word. That same Greek word is used right there. God is agape. God is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And it's like, oh, Lord. See, in my relationship with you, it's all about me loving you, giving. In my relationship with my wife that you've given to us, Lord, to mirror that relationship with you, it's all about me giving not about me getting and that is what causes the dysfunction and brokenness of our lives so we need to put this in perspective the action steps for today begin with this have you accepted God's love for you in the relationship called salvation if you don't know Jesus as your savior I want you to know he is the answer for your life he is what you've been trying to pursue and find in every other relationship every other encounter every other experiential thing that you've had in your life, I want you to know he is the one you've been after and I want you to know he's available and he's free. He's amazing. If you don't know him, please receive him as your Lord and Savior today. If you do know him, church, I want you to just answer a couple accountability questions here about this. Are you loving the way the Bible teaches? Are you in a relationship that does not align with God's word? What are you going to do about that? And what is the Holy Spirit asking you to surrender in order to perfect love in you? What is he asking you to surrender? He is. A lot of times when we say we don't hear the Spirit talking, it's because we've kind of deafened our ears because we really don't know what it, want to hear what he's saying because he's already spoken to us and we haven't done it yet. So if you want to hear him, start acting and surrender. He loves you. It's an amazing thing this incredible relationship that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because love came to us <laughs> and made us whole. Would you stand with me? If you don't know Jesus, please come forward. We call this the altar space. You just come to the front of the church. We want you to have a relationship with him, an encounter with God himself, and experience love in your own life for the first time. Those of you that maybe... Um, 
have been pursuing wrong relationships. You've not been loving like God said, and you need to repent. Sacrifice of self, the, the surrender of self. We invite you to come before the creator of the earth and surrender yourself to him. And those things that are struggling within you, just the brokenness. Allow God to heal you and make you whole this morning. He loves you. He loves you. He's called you into this incredible moment so that you can have an encounter with him. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for your word, for your truth, for your healing that you are speaking in the lives of those that are here before you today. Thank you for the truth of your word, for those that have heard the truth today. Those online, those present here, this is your word, it's your truth. God, help us to embrace it fully and surrender to it. We want you to produce love in us, Holy Spirit. Lord, that we might love the world around us, love those to us, and especially this Christmas season, the ones that we will be engaging and encountering in family and friends and community. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, I don't want you to leave the altar until you uh, have had your encounter with God. You know what he's doing for you. And those of you that have to leave, God bless you. And thank you so much for being here today. Merry Christmas. Hope to see you Christmas Eve.